This is the documentary on one from RTE in Ireland. And today's documentary is Shane Healy back on track. It's 9am on a Saturday morning in June. Runners from the Dublin Track Club have assembled in the Phoenix Park for their third group training session of the week. They're all ranging from 18 upwards to around 30 as well. Their coach is Phelan Kelly. Sean Tobin is probably one of the main guys here today and Michelle Finn. Sean, 10th in the Eurocross and Michelle is in the Olympics and there's a fair few good runners here trying to make their mark. Some run at top international level. Others are striving to reach that goal. And there is an outlier, a 51-year-old who tends to hang with the lead group. His name is Shane Healy. With Shane, it's always positive. It's always the next goal, isn't it? Like he's always pushing something. Like... Yeah, it's a great day for pain. Yeah. He's always, that's his favourite there. Yeah, he's much younger than his years. And he's so enthusiastic, he's so keen. It's just such a, a drive for him. Like it's, it's an obsession and maybe borderline addiction, but it's definitely an obsession that Shane has with running and to still be doing it with the intensity that he does it, that he hasn't broken down is one thing, physically and mentally. You know, it is quite, an, quite impressive. Shane found running 30 years ago. It hasn't been a constant in his life, but he ran for Ireland at the Olympic Games. And in 2020, Shane and running seem inseparable. He's a leader now in the group, obviously. He teaches us a lot of things, just the minor details. Always like hats, gloves, food after, the whole lot. We all know kind of Shane's backstory as well, so you kind of... When you have a day, you think, like, ah, this is where I'm have, having a rough or you think it's miserable outside and you're just like, nah, Shane's been through a lot worse. We can get through this, you know, so um, always learning. Yeah. Shane is a charmer. He grasps opportunity. For his age, he runs middle-distance races as fast as anyone alive. That doesn't happen by accident. So we do a 5K warm-up. This is Shane. And a 5k cool down after the session. So it's about a 26k session. So you're probably on your legs for nearly two hours. So yeah, it's a good uh, deep strength training regimen. It's good for the mind, the soul and the body. There is much more to Shane's story than being an international class athlete. His route into the sport was unconventional, and so was his childhood. My mother was from England. She was born in Yorkshire, and her parents were from Roscommon Extraction. That's how my dad knew my mum, from coming over in the summer holidays or whatever. My parents got married in 59 in Tulsk in Roscommon, and that year they had their first child, Erin. She was born in 59. She died of a cot death. It wasn't the perfect start. Brian came along in 62, he's my eldest brother. Lorraine came in 65, Lyona came in 67, and I was born in 68. It was a hit and miss with the relationship, like not all relationships are perfect, you know, they had the ups and downs. I was four years old and one night I was asleep in bed. Uh, my mother and um, dad got into a, a, a big argument. My sister Lorraine woke up with the shouting. My mother was just about to leave the house and she grabbed Lorraine. 47 years ago. 
that he decided there wasn't much work here back in the mid-70s. So he went to England and I was put into, uh, I think there was a sister's home in Donnybrook. It was the nuns. I was there for a little while. And then I went in then to Golderbridge Orphanage. I always remember the long driveway down into Golden Bridge and every time I see white railings, long white old railings, it always just reminds me of Golden Bridge even to this day like. There was a lot of nasty things that came out of Golden Bridge in the 60s I guess and the, the, the child abuse and stuff like that. Shane counts himself lucky to have avoided the cruelest of times at Golden Bridge but there was still intimidation. There was other kids there that like, were older than you, like, and you, you learned to stand up for yourself pretty quick. Like, there'd be a few bullies like, to give you a few slaps or you fight your own corner. But, um, yeah, Golden Bridge was a, it was a tough experience, yeah. Um, there was nothing easy about it. I was taken out of them homes on and off for a couple of years, as I remember, because when Dad would come home from England, he'd get another flat and then back to England. And he was back and forth to England a couple of times. And I don't blame him and I don't blame... I don't blame anybody, it was just the way that life panned out for me, you know. In time, Shane's father settled back in Dublin with a new partner. But Shane wasn't for settling. Three schools and a lot of mitching later. In 1982, he left the Irish education system. I was a bit wild. I just wasn't into school uh, at 13. And then I helped Daddy out a little bit, prepping cars for panel beating. Sometimes we rubbing down a car on the canal, prepping a wing for paint and sanding it down. And, and that's what I did for a year or two years. And then I was dossing them then and didn't know what I wanted to do as a teenager. And I got a job in the headline bar in uh, Hall's Cross, Leonard's Corner. And I was working there as an apprentice bartender. And that was in 1986. And one night I was working the bar and... This uh, American couple came in, uh, Ryan and Sherry Roberts, and they came up and ordered a drink, and I got talking to them, had a good conversation with them, and as they were leaving, they said, look, if you ever want to come to America, give us a shout. Shane didn't need a second invitation, and the funds to make it happen came at just the right time. When I was 15, I was on a bicycle, and I was cycling down through Drunkandra, and and a woman break a light and she just ploughed me I ran me over on the bicycle got a good doing over like into a windscreen like and he ended up getting I think it was £1,500 claim for the injuries that I had before I went I remember giving the outfit I think I gave him 600 quid for himself because I didn't need all that money and I ended up flying out from Shannon out to Florida as he turned 18 Shane joined the thousands of young emigrants departing recession-hit Ireland, ready for adventure and to live on his wits. Ever since I was a kid, I loved the Six Million Dollar Man and I loved Charlie's Angels and Chips. California, I love that dream come true, you know, and there was nothing but dull queues in Ireland at that time in the mid-80s. There was nothing happening in Ireland. I was very depressed and I just, I just wanted adventure. So I ended up on the doorstep of Ryan and Sherry Roberts and I was staying with them for a few months. I had a map of America and I said, I'm going to hitchhike to California. I went up to northern Florida, across through Mississippi, Alabama, Louisiana. This guy dropped me off in the middle of nowhere in Texas. I think I was about maybe 300 miles from El Paso on the I-10. There was nothing there. And I could see up 
over the horizon like these huge thunder clouds and I said oh I'm going to get smashed here because you see all the lightning and everything you know and this trucker came along and he stopped thank god he stopped I hopped in he says where are you going man I'm going to California this is your lucky day because I'm going to San Diego I said San Diego sounds great for me I said that man was only probably in his 20s driving that big rig not a bother on him that was a 1200 mile journey from where he picked me up I ended up in San Diego, California. I had no money. I was staying in homeless shelters there. And then I worked my way up to L.A. I was in homeless shelters there. Um, just bumming around. It was tough times now. Like, Jesus, like you, you'd meet some unscrupulous characters. Like, oh, there could be alcoholics or drug abusers. Or just some of them weren't so nice and some of them were very nice. Just hanging out, bumming out during the daytime with them. And some of them were fantastic chess players, and that's where I really learned how to play really good chess. That was typical of Shane's wanderings, which over four years took him to Hawaii, back to California, where he managed to get a social security number, briefly back to Ireland, then England, France, Spain, Gibraltar, the Canaries where he got a job as a deckhand on a ship heading to the Caribbean, Guadeloupe, St. Lucia, Martinique, another boat to Canada, and then back to California. Hitching? Yes. Running? No. Luxury lodging? Certainly not. No news of his mother and sister either. I kept in touch at home with long-distance phone calls, of course. There was no WhatsApp or emails back then, yeah. But it was very rarely I kept them. I'd probably call home once every probably six months or once a year, you know. So before we go over, just give me the final instructions, yeah? You should know who you're kind of pairing off with now, which group you're in. So, so again, Running wasn't part of Shane's life then. That was coming. And is still here today as he pursues the over 50s world records. This is no stroll in the park. He's going remarkably well today. Because this is really where he struggled. Like the power element, like when you get older. And like he's got great kind of an engine and fitness and pain tolerance, but basically your, the elasticity of your muscles and your power definitely begins to wear when you get a little bit older. So we'll see how he goes. He might crack at some point. But... Shane doesn't crack and completes nine gruelling uphill sprints with the lead group. After a short rest, it's another steady 3K run. His path to athletics began 30 years ago when he enrolled in a college in the San Francisco Bay Area. This was in March of 1990. I bought a, a 1966 Volkswagen Campus split screen and I ended up living in that. I enrolled in, in the Contra Costa Community College and I was showering every day in the locker rooms and I got talking to the black sprinters, it was really a black and Asian college, and they introduced me to the coach and he said coach that's the man that people are talking about on campus and he goes god damn man you look like Eamon Coughlin Marcus O'Sullivan Frank O'Mara those Irish boys that are flying indoors because at that time they were world record holders and world champions and I, I was going like who are these guys who is he talking about I don't know any of these guys running was just a foreign to me you know and he goes you look skinny enough, man. You, why don't you come out and run a mile like the great Eamon Coughlin? I said, you want me to run a mile for you? I haven't got time to be running around in circles for you. And he goes, I tell you what, I'll give you $50 if you run. Come out now and run a mile for me on the track. And I said, you're going to give me $50 to run a mile? 
I said, okay, show me the $50. So he took out his wallet and put the $50 and I snatched the $50. I said, okay, show me where the track is. So I went out onto the track with an old beat up pair of tennis shoes and a pair of shorts I had. He says, now, run around that track as hard as you can. And I, just, I ran, I just hung in there on the last lap Whatever I felt in my legs, I never felt before in my life, which was there was abundance of lactate, and my lungs were just screaming. But I had ran a 4:32 mile without any training, and that's the truth. 4:32. A 4:32 mile with no training. It's no surprise that the coach Archie Owens was taken aback. Shane was trim and not unfit, but 4:32 pointed to exceptional natural ability. A previously untapped talent was about to blossom. And the coach goes, God damn, God, you can run, you're hungry. Tell you what, if you run athletics for the college, track and field, for the season, I'll pay for your groceries every week. After travelling the world for four or five years, didn't know why I wanted to do with my life. I had found out something exciting to me. I had found the American dream when I ran that mile. And then I went straight into training, like running five or six miles each day. And he got me doing 200s, loads and loads of 200s and quarters. Quarters, the Americans love quarters. Quarters means quarter miles, 400 metres. Shane was running them multiple times with short rests in between. It's called interval training and it's key to improving your time for the mile or its close cousin, the 1500 metres. I end up coming in sixth in the Northern California State Championship. And I made it in through the skin of my teeth to the State Championship when we were only three months of running. I couldn't believe it. But it wasn't long before Shane was looking further afield and running was his ticket to a more prestigious university. He was about to swap his green camper van for the green singlet of Adams State College, a powerhouse of middle and long distance running located high in the Colorado Rockies, where he would be guided by US Olympic distance coach, Dr. Joe Vigil. I was so determined to get to Adam Stake. I called that man three or four times. And I said, Coach, it's Shane again. Coach, you don't understand. I've only been running a few months and I'm hungry and I want to go to Adam Stake. Many of Ireland's most celebrated athletes have come through the American college system. Ronnie Delaney, Eamon Coughlin and Sonia O'Sullivan amongst them. And Lord and behold, I couldn't believe it. They accepted me in. I sold up the camper for $1,200 and I hitchhiked. Again, I hitchhiked from San Francisco through Nevada, down through Utah, into Alamosa, Colorado in June of that year, 1990. And I got into Alamosa, the guy, he just dropped me off at the bowling alley. A quick phone call to Coach Vigil. Coach, I'm here in Alamosa. I'm here to meet you, buddy. And he goes, where are you, at the airport? I said, no, I'm at the bowling alley. And he goes, son, I think you picked me up wrong. We don't give scholarships for bowling. I said, no, coach, I hitchhiked from San Francisco and the guy just dropped me off here. Coach knew he had found someone very special. Here's this kid that would hitchhike 1,200 miles to run for his school. So coach picked me up at the bowling alley and we just hit it off. It was a great friendship. A second Irish athlete and future World Championship competitor, Daniel Caulfield, arrived in Shane's second year. They remain friends today. When I got there, they said, there's another Irish fella here. And I thought, this is great, you know, because it was a very lonely place. Uh, Alamos is, it's in south central Colorado and there's absolutely nothing around. There's these big tumbleweeds that roll across uh, the main street. You know, the door opens and this is uh, Shane Healy walking in and he has this phenomenal tan. He's blonde haired, blue eyes. And I thought, this fella's not from Ireland. He didn't look like uh, he was straight out of Tala, that's for sure. He was always a wheeler and dealer. 
I remember distinctly at one stage, one of his main possessions was a bicycle and it didn't seem like too long after it, it was a motorbike, maybe a 125cc. And then not long after that, it was a 250cc. And then that turned into uh, some small car. Following that, he had a Saab. After that, he had a 67 Mustang, you know, that he sold on. It was entertaining to say the least, you know. Every day I was just so excited to wake up another day of running and I started to study uh, sports and exercise management with a minor in business. That's why I did at Adam State. November 22nd, 1993. And for the fourth year in a row, Shane is on the Adams State starting team for the National Collegiate Cross-Country Championship. The race went out. Uh, Shane took the lead after about half a mile. I'd had a disagreement with a runner from another school within the first 400 metres and uh, he didn't seem to like this too much. And so I said, Shane, this man wants to speak to you. And so that meant kind of in our own vernacular, Shane took the lead and made the guy pay for the not-so-nice things he was saying to our team early on. And that was the sort of fellow Shane is. He's just unbelievably loyal to his teammates and the people he cares about. He ran a ferocious last mile uh, in order to do it. Yeah, it was, it was just a great day for him, you know, and the rest of us. Shane was first over the line. Adam State won team gold. That was the last race Coach Hill coached as a collegiate coach. He retired after that day. Shane was only beginning to get noticed in Ireland, but before he finished in Adam State the following spring, he had introduced himself to three-time Olympian and World Championship gold medalist Eamon Coughlin. They met at the famous Milrose Games in Madison Square Garden, New York, where Coughlin had won the Blue Ribbon event, the Wanamaker Mile, a then record seven times. When did I first meet Shane Healy? I'll never forget it. <laughs> it was actually incredible. I was running in the Masters Mile in Madison Square Garden, 1993. He was running for Adams State in the 4 by 800 metre relay in the garden at the time, right? I was all excited to be at the Milrose Games. Marcus O'Sullivan was running in the Wanamaker Mile. So I'm back in the hotel after the meet, across the street. I get on the elevator and it closed and then it opened again. So I ran into the lift all excited. And then all of a sudden I seen this guy. I said, oh, jeez, that's Marcus. I said, how's it going, Marcus? And he goes, hey, Marcus, how you doing? Well done, you know. And he goes, I'm not Marcus, so I'm Eamon Coughlin. And I go, fuck you. <laughs> I'm not Marcus. And I said, oh, jeez, sorry, I, you know, apologies, you know. And I said, anyway, I'm going to run faster than you someday. He says, get out of here, you, you cocky kid. <laughs> Does that conversation last long? Uh, it sure didn't, as a matter of fact, but I never forgot his name. <laughs> that was Shane. That was my first encounter with the Irish athletes, and I knew then, like, oh, meeting these big men now, maybe it's my time to step up to be a big man too after I finish college. Now it's my time, you know. Being a big man meant running in the biggest sports event of all, the Olympic Games. And getting there would also give Shane a global platform to reach out to his mother and sister, whom he hadn't seen for 20 years. Not only did I really, deep down, really wanted to run for Ireland and qualify, it, it was a goal, but also would have opened the gates for my mother to come to find my mother and my sister Lorraine. Absolutely, because, you know, I say, OK, now this is great publicity. This was spurned me on. It did. It, it really did, you know. And uh, and I wasn't just finding mother and Lorraine. I find a mother and Lorraine for Brian, and I was finding mother and Lorraine for my sister Lyona. I was finding for Dad. I think it was a big part, but I think the bigger part was 
the Olympic dream. That's Frank Greeley, founder and editor for 37 years of Irish Runner magazine. Imagine a kid abandoned by his mother at four years of age. I think it was it was that big dream of making something of himself as well. You know, I think that that had a lot to do with it as well, and and to to fully embrace the talent and and the determination he had. Now, I think the mother and sister uh, would have been a very big motivating factor. But I think deep down as well, it was getting the very best out of the ability he, he had, you know. Frank, who had himself been to college in the States, recalls the first time he saw Shane in action. It was at the Europa Cup in the summer of 1994. I was sitting up in the stands in the Martin Stadium in Santry. He was running for Ireland and I looked to the fella next to me when he came up the straight to finish. I said, that's one guy that has something special. i got to talk to him. And I went on and met him there on the track afterwards. And uh, he told me he was only after coming back from America. Immediately we connected. He told me what he was aiming for at the time and how the Olympics was uh, big in his radar. And it seemed like almost an impossible dream at the time. While his cross-country successes at Adams State had been at longer distances, on the track Shane specialised in the 1500 metres and that was his target for the 1996 Atlanta Olympic Games. To qualify, he would need to get entry to a suitable race and run faster than ever before, 3 minutes and 38 seconds. Seven months out, Christmas 1995, he hadn't got it and he needed help. Eamon Coughlin was at the traditional New Year's Day race in the Phoenix Park. And all of a sudden, who meets me on Shane Healy? Hey, Eamon, how you doing? Oh, Shane, how's it going? And he said, Eamon, can I ask you something? And I go, what? He said, will you coach me? And I go, what? Will I coach you? I said, no, I haven't coached anybody, you know, except pretty much myself. I said, uh, why? He said, i tell you why. I really admire you. I, you. We come from the same neck of the woods, he said. What you've achieved, chairman of the boards. He's my greatest, actually, PR man, even to this day, right? It is. And uh, he said, but I really, really, really want to go to the Olympic Games and you're the man to get me there. So I said, well, let me think about it, right? And I think it was the next day I met with Shane for a cup of tea and we talked about it and I said, Shane, I'm going to do it for you. Only one thing I want you to do is to listen to me and not to listen to anybody else. And everything I tell you to do, you do it. Uh, I nearly get emotional now over because he was a good guy. Something stood out in Shane. He was a good person. He was an honest person. He was really serious about the journey. And the journey for him was to find his mother. And he told me by getting to the Olympic Games that would do it for him. And that meant a lot. I saw he had balls. Mm -hmm. Big balls. So I decided I'm going to help this kid out. With Cochrane on board and help from the likes of Frank Greeley, Shane raised his profile with a feature article written by Olympic silver medalist John Tracy in Irish Runner and then two appearances with Pat Kenny on RTE in early 1996. 
The young man who's just run into the studio didn't stand on a track until he was 21 years old. Five years later, he's less than a second away from the Olympic qualifying time for the 1500 metres. Despite the fact that he left school at 13, he's now a college graduate who has travelled the world. Not your average 26-year-old. His name is Shane Healy. Shane, you're very welcome to the programme. Hello, Pat. How are you doing? You have achieved these fantastic times at really on your own at yes. this stage. Well, I, I, went, I went to Colorado last summer in July and I trained really hard and I came back to Ireland in October. But the three weeks before I came back, I had to stay at a homeless shelter in Denver. That tells you what I have to really go through just to make the standard for the Irish Olympic team. You know what I mean? Like there's no support out there. It was a platform that gave Shane the chance to appeal for his mother and sister Lorraine to make contact. Okay, but there's one person that you want to talk to right now. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, she, she's my older sister, Lorraine Healy. And I would like to say, like, we've lost contact with her. Over, I haven't seen her in many years. And if she's watching today, I'd like her to contact, like, contact me through RTE or just to say hi to say that you're safe and well. Lorraine, if you are out there, be in touch with us because uh, Shane really wants to to see you again, and I know you'd be very proud of him when, when, not if, when he goes to the Olympics yes. in Atlanta. On the plus side, he was attracting financial support. Phillips, Phillips have a, a slogan, let's make things better, okay? And they have decided to make things better for Shane Healy, because they're giving him almost £4,000 to facilitate his training. Training progressed well under Cochrane, but Shane just couldn't get that elusive qualifying time. Frank Greeley was pulling strings to get him extra opportunities. He had almost given up on getting the qualifying time. He, he was close, but not close enough. I remember running three or four races in a space of 14 days. There was a lot of racing, you know, and June 15th was the cutoff date. And I started to get desperate. And I came back from running those four races. And I went into Frank Greeley's office, the, the Irish runner in Hall's Cross. And there was one race left. Madrid. Wednesday night. And I had kind of exhausted everything I could do for him and I offered him one thing. I said, you can have the use of the phone if you want to try and get into the meet. So I called the meeting director up in Madrid. Excuse me, sir, I want to run your race. Who is this? I said, my name is Shane Healy. I want to run your race on Wednesday night. No, 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 no. The Olympic champion, Femin Cacho, is running and he's going for the world record. No, no, no. Field is full. Hung up the phone. I called that man. I was so desperate. I called him about six times that day. I went down to the basement of where we were working up in Harold's Cross Road and he was on his knees on the phone. This was his final call to your man. And I said, sir, it's is this this Irish man again? I said, yeah, sir, you don't realise I'm desperate to get into your race. I'll pay for my flight. Just please put me into your race for Wednesday night. He wore the guy down and the guy said, listen, you crazy Irish man. You're in. Let me know when you get to the airport tomorrow, what time your flights are in. You had a very hard, poor chance of getting in because this was the final throw of the dice for uh, qualifying for the Atlanta Olympics. So I went down that day, got the plane ticket. That night, I stayed in Eamon Coughlin's house. And I remember getting up at five o'clock that morning. It was dark. The first part of the M50 wasn't built yet. And I remember driving through Dunsink and down through the old roads, you know, and looking at all the old caravans and stuff. And it was a very lonely road and it was all by myself. And I'm thinking, is this in vain? You know, the little demons start to come into your head. I said, no, this is it. This is your last chance. It's the last chance saloon. So I got on the plane, and then as we were flying into Madrid, the captain goes, welcome to Madrid, at an altitude of 3,000 feet. 
38 Celsius. So I got to the stadium and the heat was just stifling. I was looking down the start line for me and Catcher there to my right and other Kenyans and all lined up, ready to go. I looked down the track, the back straight, and all I could see was these mirages just rising off the track, the heat and the sweat just coming off me like. And I looking down and I said, oh, bang, the gun went off. Just took off. 40 is Philip Candy of Kenya. I was flying. He looks to be uh, helping with the pacemaking role. Cecilia in the lead, Cacho in third place at the moment, coming up to 400 metres. I came through the first 400 in last. At the 500 mark, I couldn't breathe. Not ideal conditions running at the altitude of Madrid, it certainly does have an effect in the middle and long distances. Coming into the 800 metre mark, Lord and behold, didn't I get a second wind? John coming through, threatening in third place, but Jimenez with a victory here that is really a big surprise. Clock stopped at the time when the first finisher came across, and I came across, you know, and the legs were gone in the heat. The, the Spanish guys knew my plight. They knew I was desperado. One of the Spanish guys came up and he said, Shane, Shane, you see the results? You ran 336.58. The run, a personal best, ensured Shane's place on the Irish team for the Atlanta Olympic Games. I was the proudest day of my life. I was going to go to the greatest show on earth, that Willy Wonka, the golden ticket. My name was on it. I was absolutely chuffed and just flabbergasted. And I just felt light, easy, just the, the dream of dreams. The Madrid race was exactly one month before the Irish team flew to Atlanta. There was time for some final preparations back in Dublin before Shane walked out with Team Ireland for the opening ceremony of the 26th Olympic Games, where Muhammad Ali lit the flame at the Centennial Stadium as a huge audience watched on television. Ireland! Ireland. Walking out onto the track, I had to pinch myself, that was the opening ceremony. And what caught my attention was, the millions of flashes, the cameras, the atmosphere was hitting you from all angles. Like it was the flash, the photography, the roars of the crowds. And it was just, yeah, wow. And you're competing for your country. What more greater honor? Wow. I actually got to meet President Bill Clinton. I declare open the Games of Atlanta, celebrating the 26th Olympiad of the modern era. It was a couple of days before the first round of the 1500 metres and the cafeterias are massive at the Olympic Games and I noticed all these athletes sitting down at this one table and curiosity got the better of me. I just strolled over and just looked over. Lord and behold, I couldn't believe it. It was Bill Clinton, President Bill Clinton, sitting down talking to, of all athletes, a Cuban athlete. You know, it was fantastic. Like, and... He got up and started walking, shaking the athlete's hands, and I got to shake his hand. And I asked him, I, I said to him, I said, what's happening in Northern Ireland? Oh, just, and he says, young man, I'm working on it. And then he says, best luck in your event. And that was it. Shook the man's hand, Bill Clinton. Competition in the 1500 metres is intense. There are three rounds, heats, semi-finals and a final. There were 57 world-class runners, including Shane Healy, competing for three medals. Would his mother or sister, or someone else who would make the connection, be watching? The crowd was savage. I think there was 90,000 in that stadium. 
You know, I ran in the World Championships. No, the Olympics is, is the cream of the crop. 4,000 miles away in Dublin, Coach Coughlin watched the race in his role as an RTE analyst. I worked with him for the last six months. He did everything he was told and he ended up getting the qualifying time and hopefully he'll get through to the next round. Out onto the starting line, I said, OK, stay middle pack. Don't touch the front. We'll see how he gets on indeed. George Hamilton and Frank O'Mara were on commentary. Here they go then. Shane Healy's heat in the 1,500 metres for men. He's wearing white and he's in there. That's a 60-second second lap. That's slowed up now. You can see the bunch coming together in one huge group. And this is where athletes have got to be, have got to be very, very careful. Shane Healy is... Coming down, I got boxed badly, in really badly. Very badly right now. He needs to find some way out of this quickly. Shane Healy boxed in on the curb and in sixth position still. Bell sounds. Shane Healy just gets himself out. Yeah, I've seen a gap and I went for So I went from eighth to fifth. He has a good chance of qualifying. There we go, 255 at 1200. That's quick. I mean, a 41 second, uh, 300 metres from here and they're going to run 336 would give him a great, great chance. I would, that would almost ensure him a qualification. Well, he's going to, certainly going to give it a real lash. He's just boxed there on the line. Seemed to have his line taken. But he's through and he's finishing in fifth position, Shane Healy. I was very, very proud of him. However, he made a big tactical error. He got himself boxed in uh, with two laps to go. He wasn't able to get out of trouble at all. Fair play to him. He didn't panic. He couldn't get out even with 110 metres to go coming off the last turns. And he forced his way up on the inside. Now, I was really concerned... At Shane's time of 3 minutes, 37.28, his second fastest ever, got him through to the semi-finals three days later. We pick it up as the bell sounds for the final lap. Hakimi leads course. Kip career. Shane Healy finding the pace a little hot at this stage. His time was 3 minutes 39.81. Shane Healy has drifted off the back of that. My goal was to get to the Olympic semi-final because we knew had mostly El Garouge, Cacho. Shane Healy coming up now. Honestly, look, we only like five years of really solid running have done well to get to the Olympic Games and to the semi-final. If I had a little bit more maturity under my belt, maybe a couple of more years of tough, tough racing, then I could have made the final. But no, not, not that year, no. I think I ran to my limits. Like, yeah. However, Shane's hopes of finding his mother in 1996 weren't realised. To this day, it's just... It's not a day that goes by without I always wonder where they are or what they're doing. It's just sad, really, yeah. When they had been together at Adams State, Daniel Caulfield reckoned he had a better chance than Shane of making the Atlanta Olympics. Caulfield missed out. Did I think he would be a semi-finalist in the Olympics three years later? Definitely not. You know, that's a testament to just sheer willpower and work ethic and just single-minded drive. I have not met anyone who has worked harder, though, like in my travels. He's, uh, he is at the, at, at, the, at the very top. The pair were reunited in Dublin. I uh, moved in with him and some digs in, uh, in Fairhouse. That was probably the first time I ever got to meet anyone from his family. You start understanding, like, the, uh, the difficulties, you know, and the hardships that he had dealt with when he was younger and just the amazing attitude that he had despite those hardships. It was amazing. He seemed to know everyone. There was, there was no place he didn't seem to have a VIP pass to in Dublin. I thought it was just like any time we would, you know, go out just to, you know, to see people, to chat with people, to go dance or whatever. We always were able to get in every place we went for free, never paid a penny. 
just again, his unwillingness to take no for an answer got him indoors almost everywhere. Injury, funding, desire, dancing? The last time Shane wore the senior Irish vest was at the 1997 World Championships. Within a couple of years of Atlanta, he had drifted out of the sport. There were many years and many pounds later before I saw Shane. Eamon Coughlin again. And the many pounds later it was, hey Shane, what happened to you? There was a transformation in him. I did absolutely nothing. I'd probably be, I'd probably put on about three stone. <laughs> I, probably, I went up to, I remember I went up to 13 stone, eight pounds on the scales. I didn't do any, no physical activity whatsoever. I danced a lot, loved out, out partying all the time. Not a bother, but yeah, no. But Shane was still Shane. Ah, Eamon, you're great. Well, Shane, what are you doing? Ah, you know, a little bit of this and a little bit of that and a little bit of the other. Well, Shane, what are you really doing, <laughs> you know? I love classic cars and I bought and sold classic cars. I bought a house and sold it on, did it up, bought a house and sold it on, my, my own house. But in the financial crash of 2008, life took another turn. Just say overnight, that's when the business went bang, you know, like nobody was buying classic cars. The ass fell through it all. Like I had a lovely house in, in Laytown, I lost that to the banks. So that was gone, that was repoed, and they kind of set me back. And yeah, I was in my 40s then as well, like, and it was hard to find work. You couldn't get a job, like, it was really hard. Like, who wants to hire somebody who's 40, like, and you know, and so I retrained and, and I got into caring. I'm, I'm a carer now, so that's what I do. I work for the visually impaired. I look after blind people, um, some with intellectual disabilities, and that's what I've been doing for the last six or seven years. The latent runner in Shane finally emerged. He started training with Eamon Coughlin's son, John, also an Irish international. When I started back in 2012, those first couple of miles was hell. I came a long way in eight months, but then... I had a horrific injury with John Coughlin on the track. I had a phenomenal session that night, Tuesday night, I'll never forget it. It was a frosty night. It was really cold. Not thinking nothing of it. Warmed down, came home. Two o'clock that night, I woke up with excruciating pain. I had to tell my wife, Jennifer, Jenny, I need help. I had to wake her up. I said, I think you have to call an ambulance. What it turned out was I tore all my intercostal rib muscles from using my breathing muscles, pushing myself too hard for months after I couldn't run. It took me a year to get over that injury. And it was almost four years before Shane went back again to running. And now to the final of the men's 1500 metres. This was 2016 and I was looking at the Olympic final in the 1500 metres in Rio. And I said, oh my God, it just dawned on me that Ireland, where are all our great milers? We had nobody in the 1500, nobody in the 3K steeple, nobody in the 5000, nobody in the 10,000, and we had three guys in the marathon. And I said, where are our track runners? What's happening here? And plus, I wasn't happy with my weight. I wasn't in a great place mentally either, thinking like, you're, you're 47, you're feeling overweight, didn't like what I saw in the mirror. And yeah, there was a little bit of depression there, I say it was, yeah. And I said, I just need a good field story. And I said, I'm going to set myself a goal and I'm going to train. I'm going to break the over 50 world records. That's my goal. 
The Dublin Track Club was the perfect vehicle for Shane to slay some mental demons and get in shape for some world records. It's February 2020 and Shane has a busy schedule of races. Already this month in Armagh, he has set an over-50s world record for the five-kilometre road race, completing the course in 14 minutes, 57 seconds, equating to an average speed of just over 20 kilometres per hour. Five days later, he's after the indoor mile record. There's a romantic element about the men's the mile, you know, you know, bring back the miles, big, big push in the state. That's Dave Matthews, who ran the 800 metres at the Atlanta Olympics. He's the meeting director. We were blessed here tonight. We have uh, Shane Healy, who's going for uh, an over 50 world record, uh, but also within the same race with Keen McPhillips from Longford AC, a 19-year-old. He's going to try and break sub four-minute mile, which has never happened here in the National Indoor Arena. Coach Phelan Kelly and some other vocal supporters are there for Shane. Yeah, I think he might go off too fast. Like, and Shane being Shane, for, I think 4.23 is the record, and he wants to go at 4.16 pace. Shane is ambitious, and I suppose what's gotten him where he is. Shane does go out fast. Like, it's the second half of the race, really, that hopefully he'll have the energy. Especially when you get older, you'll, the elasticity goes, he won't have the power at the end, so he needs to try and save a little bit. Go, Shane, now work, 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 work. Go on, Shane. So, Shane, hear me. Go in, Shane, come on. Come finish, Shane. Finish, Shane. Finish, Shane. Finish, Finish, Shane. 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 Finish, the positive thing is he actually looked better at the close, but normally he clams right up and he looked stronger there. Ah, look, it's uh, had no go in the last 400, 500. But look, not to worry, you just get on, don't dwell on a negative run, just keep going on. The, the great thing about athletics is you can put a bad experience behind you and just move on to the next race. So it proved. Less than a fortnight later, first in the heat and then again in the final the next day, Shane broke the over 50 world record for the indoor 1500 metres at the National Senior Championships. I was delighted to make the final for a 51-year-old. I was just absolutely chuffed. Um, I don't know if it will ever happen again. Um, but when I told the line against all the young fellas, you know, I'm probably the oldest in the race by over 20 years. Just as the race progressed, I got stronger and stronger. I, I knew I had broken the world record when I came across... Um, and I seen the clock go from 4-0 to 4-0-1. And I said, yes, I was delighted. I knew I took a big old chunk off my world record. Shane should have been chasing one of the records he covets most, the outdoor mile, at the Belfast Milers Club meeting today. But the COVID-19 pandemic ruined the racing calendar. Instead, Shane and his fellow runners, his friends, are building strength in today's Dublin Track Club session. So keep it together, Shane. You've got it going nicely. Phelan Kelly is cycling alongside the group, coaching. That's good again. Rhythm and form, rhythm and form. Don't get lazy. Get focused. And still control the rhythm. Good job, Hiko. Yeah. Just start relaxing a little bit now, Shane, yeah? Think of loose shoulders, you can kind of start winding down, if you know what I mean. And use it a little bit more like clearance, yeah. Serious workout today, anyway. You're flying today. Yeah. It's impressive. But just run controlled now. 
Thanks, coach. Get the crown of the head up to the sky again, yeah, there you go. On the way towards the car park, Shane is preaching positive. Good job, young guys. Well done. Remember, you're the future of Athletics Ireland. Young gun and full of energy. Before another 5k, the final warm down, Shane offers his summary of the session. Oh, good, yeah, we probably got a little bit too hard in the first 3k, but look, the last 3k, I ran that a lot more controlled. Legs were a little bit banjaxed after that. So I don't think it's too bad for somebody that's nearly 52 years old and everybody helps each other. Even when we're hurting, we give each other a pat on the back. Uh, uh, like, as a, a, a runner and coach, they come to me for guidance and I do my best to give them positivity in their lives and uh, they asked me, how do you make the Olympic Games? And I said, true perseverance, dedication and, and, and an unshatterable belief in oneself. Before his father died in 2014, Shane made one more attempt to find his mother and his sister Lorraine. I went over to Yorkshire to, to trace my, to my mother's roots, to do some investigating, but I only had one cousin alive over there, Charlotte, and I still couldn't contact her because my dad said to me, he said, look, go to Walpole Road in Huddersfield in England and look her up, and I think he, she lives in numbers 55 or 50 Walpole Road, and no go. Whatever happened that night back in 73, mum does not want to be found. She knows how to find us. She knows all my uncles and aunts and relatives are in Roscommon still now. But for some reason, I don't even know if she's still alive. I don't know. She'll be 81 now, I guess. And my older sister Lorraine now, she'll be 54. I don't have any regrets. I'm happy with how I lived my life. If I... No, I don't have any regrets because you know what? It was exciting. It was some hell of a ride. That's all I can say to you. You've been listening to Shane Healy back on track from the documentary on one. It was narrated by Gary Moran and produced by Gary Moran and Tim Desmond. Until next time, thanks for listening. <laughs>